Amen. Thank you, Danielle, for that good special music. God bless you for that. Now, with your Bible open, please, at Luke chapter 19, we're going to be looking at the story of a man named Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus. Now, you may already be familiar with this story, but perhaps I can tell you a few things you weren't aware of that might help enhance this. Now, Zacchaeus, as you know, was a tax collector. Tax collectors generally don't have uh, that, that great of a, a reputation. They're not well loved anywhere in the world, and yet it's an important job. It really is. In the United States, the system of um, tax collection comes under the IRS, the Internal Revenue Service, the IRS. And you don't want to get on the bad side of the IRS. They have been known to um, be very strong-armed at times. Well, anyhow, there's a true story. happened uh, five or six years ago, I think. Uh, a young boy in the United States, his name was Polly Smith. Polly Smith. He was six years of age. Six years of age. And one day, there came a letter in the mail addressed to Mr. Polly Smith from the IRS. This is a true story. True story. You can check it out on, on Google if you like. And so in the, uh, the letter, the, um, the IRS was demanding from six-year-old Polly Smith, they were demanding that he file an individual tax return. And they gave a few reasons. Well, his mother... Susan Smith saw this letter and they, they had a good laugh over it. So she sat down and she wrote a letter of explanation back to the IRS. Well, after uh, a couple of weeks, they got another letter from the IRS. Again, addressed to Mr. Polly Smith. And in the letter, the IRS said these words, Dear Mr. Smith, we do, do not recognize Susan F. Smith as someone authorized to discuss your tax file. If you want Susan F. Smith to be authorized to discuss your return, we suggest you go online and submit form number 8892. Well, this was getting to be ridiculous. And so Polly's mother, Susan, sat down at the kitchen table with young six-year-old Polly and she got a piece of paper and some crayons, and she helped Polly to write a letter. And in crayon, he wrote with misspelled English, of course, Dear Mr. Taxman, I, author I authorize you to talk to my mummy, Susan F. Smith, about my taxes. And so he signed it, Polly Smith, and sent it in. And it Anyhow, it made news. It's a hilarious story. Uh, the, uh, the tax uh, department isn't perfect. We all realize that. But uh, that was just a funny story that happened. Now, today in the scripture, we're going to be looking at a real story that happened to a real man named Zacchaeus. Before we begin, I invite you to bow your head in a moment of prayer with me. Our loving Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning in that beautiful name of Jesus, the name above all names, 
we ask you, please, Heavenly Father, to illuminate our hearts and open the eyes of our understanding concerning the events that happened to this man Zacchaeus and help us to learn lessons for our lives. Our Father, we do pray that if there be anyone watching the service today, anyone who's not born again, who's not saved, you would please speak to their heart. Lord, show them, convince them of their their necessity, their need to receive Jesus Christ in order to find new life. And we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, 2,000 years ago, the Roman government controlled the then-known world. Now, that's a pretty big government to control the then-known world. And governments back then, just like governments today, all run on money. Where does that money come from? Taxes. That's where the money comes from, from taxes. And so the people were taxed. There were many needs for the the tax money, and it all came from the provinces to administrate the Roman Empire. Now listen to this. Every man was taxed 1% of his annual income for income tax. Now you might think, whoa, that sounds pretty good. Wow, I like the sound of that. That's, That's good. I'd go for that. Hold on. Hang on. Time out here. We're not done yet. It was more than just 1%. That was for the income tax on their income. But on top of that, there was also import and export taxes. There were taxes on crops. For example, you had to pay one-tenth of the the grain crop. You had to pay one-fifth of wine, fruit, and olive oil. There was sales tax. There was property tax. There was emergency tax. And on it went. So, it's sort of like today, isn't it? They say that uh, well over 50% of our income, maybe it's 60%, I'm not sure, I haven't checked for a while, but it's well over 50% is eaten up in the form of taxes. Well, like then, like now, kind of the same. The taxes paid for a good system of roads. It paid for law and order. It paid for security. It paid for religious freedom. It paid for a certain amount of self-government. And there was other benefits as well. Now, Israel came under Roman rule. The Roman Empire ruled the then-known world. And Israel was part of the then-known world. So they came underneath Rome. And because of that, they also had to pay taxes to Rome. And so they needed tax collectors. And these people were hated. Now we're told here that um, the word in verse 2 is publican. Publican. Uh, Zacchaeus here was chief among the publicans. The word publican is from a Latin word publicanus, and it means simply tax collector. The collecting of taxes was the responsibility of a department of the Roman government, uh, and it was headed up by a man they called the censor, C-E-N-S-O-R, the censor. Now, the censor would subcontract the job of tax collecting to chief 
tax collectors located in different cities and different districts around the then known world, including Israel. And these chief tax collectors would then subcontract the duties to the regular tax collectors. The tax collectors were allowed to keep a small portion for themselves as a paycheck. But any amount that the tax collectors could get over and above what Rome required, they kept for themselves. And this was often greatly abused. And so they kept a large portion for themselves. You know, it's something like a government official taking bribes or taking money under the table. It was illegal. Everyone knew it was being done, but no one did anything to correct it or to stop it. And so for these reasons, the tax collectors were hated. But these tax collectors, in order to do what they were doing, they had to hire muscle. And so usually the tax collector came along and he had one or two great big guys that came along with him, maybe sporting brass knuckles or, or with a, a club or a baseball bat or something, some sort of weapon. It was hired muscle is what it was. And the tax collector would come and would try and get money out of you. And if you didn't pay, well, we got these boys and they'll encourage you to pay. Boom, boom. Um, there's a funny story that's told of a local fitness club that offered $1,000 to anyone who could demonstrate that he was stronger than their fitness expert. This is just a humorous story is all, but it, it illustrates a point. And so here's how it worked. The muscle man, the fitness expert, the muscle man would, would grab a lemon and would squeeze this lemon uh, until all of the juice ran into a glass. And then he would hand the lemon to anyone who wanted to challenge him. And then the challenger would try and squeeze out just a couple more drops if he possibly could. And if he could, he would win $1,000. Well, many people tried and everyone failed. After the muscle man squeezed that lemon, no one else was able to get so much as a drop out of that, that lemon. Well, one day, a short skinny guy came in and he signed up for the challenge. And after the laughter all died down, the powerful trainer grabbed that lemon and he squeezed a powerful squeeze and he squeezed all of the, the lemon juice out of the lemon and then he handed the wrinkled remains to this little man. The crowd's laughter turned to silence as this little guy grabbed you know, the lemon in his clenched fist and he squeezed that thing and six more drops of lemon juice came into the glass. The crowd cheered. The manager paid out the winning prize and asked the short guy what he did for a living. He said, are you some kind of lumberjack or are you a weightlifter? What are you? And the little guy said, I'm a tax collector. Now that may be a bit of a sad joke, but it is a bit of a humorous story. It does illustrate for us what's happening in the uh, New Testament times when the tax collector would come and he'd find some way to take what you had. Now, when John the Baptist was preaching, he was preaching repentance. 
And there came to him different people, different classes of society. The Pharisees came to him for baptism and asked uh, uh, what they should do. Some of the Pharisees came anyhow. Anyhow, the publicans, publicans also came and asked him what they should do to prove their repentance toward God. And here's what John the Baptist said in Luke 3.13. He said these words, Exact no more than that which is appointed you. Well, I guess some did and some didn't, right? But it was common knowledge amongst the tax collectors in John the Baptist's day that they were going greatly overboard. And with extortion, they were getting rich off the back-breaking efforts of the common man. And so, among the publicans, they had a confederacy. There was sort of an unspoken code or bond, if you will, between the publicans, that they could go and oppress people and they would uh, hold up one another. If, if ever it came to a court of law, they would do that. It was a common practice also amongst the priests and the rabbis who were guilty of pretty much the same thing, enriching themselves by dishonest practices under the cover of their sacred calling. Now in Israel, these tax collectors were usually fellow Jews, and they purchased the tax franchise. They bought the tax collection franchise from the Roman government. The Apostle Matthew used to be a publican, but he gave that all up in order to become an apostle. Tax collecting franchises were sold to the highest bidders. It was all just business to them. That's all it was. But it came at a cost. In Israel, at least anyhow, it came at the cost of hatred by their fellow Jews for two reasons. Number one, Israel hated Rome to begin with because they wanted to be free. They were under Roman bondage and they wanted to be free from that. And so... You work for Rome, automatically you're hated. And number two, the second reason, was the tax collectors were known for extortion. And they extorted large sums of money. They were legalized thieves. Therefore, the publicans were treated in a similar manner to the worst sinners of society. The, uh, the prostitutes and all kinds of horrible things like that. So at best, the tax collector was considered a tolerated evil. Now in Jesus' day, there were a lot of tax collectors. They were everywhere. Some sat behind a desk at the entry of a city, while others would walk up to people and tax them for what they were carrying. The tax collector would often open people's boxes and bundles and appraise the value of what they had there. Now, Jesus himself, also had to pay tax. In Matthew chapter 17 and verse 24, it says these words, And when they were come to Capernaum, they that received tribute money, that's the tax money, came to Peter and said, Doth not your master pay tribute? That's the story, the amazing story of when Jesus had Peter go and fishing at a lake there and throw in a line and pull up a fish, open its mouth, and in it was a coin to pay the taxes. You say, did Jesus hate the tax collectors? No, my friend, Jesus did not hate the tax collectors. 
as our story here shows in Luke chapter 19. But even more than that, in Luke chapter 18, the Lord Jesus gave the, the story of two men that went into the temple to pray. And one was a Pharisee and the other was a tax collector, a publican. And the Pharisee, of course, stood near the front and said, I'm so glad that I'm not like other people, even this miserable tax collector here behind me. <clears throat> and the publican would not so much as lift up his head, but beat upon his bosom and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said, the publican went down to his house justified, righteous and justified before God, not the Pharisee. Boy, that, the Pharisees didn't like to hear that. My friends, hundreds of years before the Lord Jesus came to earth, the Jews in Jerusalem had been deported to Babylon for 70 years. It's known as the Babylonian captivity. After the 70 years, they were allowed to travel back to Jerusalem and they came by families. And one of the families had 760 descendants. And they were known as the family of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a godly man. The name Zacchaeus means pure. Or it could also mean innocent. His name is mentioned in the books of Ezra and Nehemiah. So moving forward in time by hundreds of years. Approximately the time that our Lord Jesus was born on earth. There was another young baby born to a Jewish couple. They gave birth to this little baby boy and they lovingly named him Zacchaeus. Perhaps they named him after that great old man in the Old Testament. Well, chances are these loving parents taught Zacchaeus to love God and to obey God. But as sometimes happens, children don't always turn out the way you want them. They grow up and sometimes they abandon their godly teaching. And the Sunday school songs and stories, they leave them behind. And the faith of their mother and father, they toss to one side. And they go off into the world to make their fortune. And that may be what happened to Zacchaeus. Uh, by the way, Zacchaeus in, in Hebrew is Zacchaeus in Greek. You see where this is going? And so Zacchaeus or Zacchaeus may well have gotten his eyes off the Lord and perhaps he got in with the wrong crowd. And at some point, he decided he was going to follow the easy path to wealth and riches and fame and power. And he got into tax collecting. Maybe he started at the bottom rung. Maybe he was just a short fellow, so he wouldn't have been a, a great big guy used to, to enforce the muscle. But maybe he got a job as just a regular tax collector. Be funny, wouldn't it, to see this little fellow with these two great big giants, you know, on either side of him. Oh, oh. Here he comes. You know, be careful of those two mountains and the valley in between. And so he became a tax collector. And now this was all before Zacchaeus met Jesus. And Zacchaeus lost friends. 
Zacchaeus lost respect of his family, but he made a lot of money. And people are like that today. Some people, they sell their reputation, they sell their family in order to make money. That's a bad decision. Well, Zacchaeus moved on up the corporate ladder and he was soon able to buy a tax collector's franchise in the city of Jericho. Now, Jericho was the world center for the balsam trade. So there was a lot of money to be made there. And he became a chief tax collector. But Zacchaeus had a heart. And perhaps some of the godly teaching that he learned from his mother and father when he was a boy came back to his mind. And he heard the stories of Jesus. Now I'm, I'm suggesting that these two men, Zacchaeus and Jesus, may have been similar in age. We don't know. He may have been younger. He may have been older. But my guess is that they were kind of in the ballpark in age. Perhaps his parents were still alive and still praying for Zacchaeus. Perhaps when he would see his parents once a year, they would look him in the eye and say, we're praying for you, son. Perhaps this and other things started weighing heavy on his heart. He was rich, but he was lonely. He was rich, but he was alienated from God. His sins of cheating and lying and stealing from his own people were like a heavy weight on his heart and his conscience. He wanted to be good. He wanted to live up to his name of purity. But how was he to do it? What was he to do? Zacchaeus, the chief of the publicans, was awakened in his heart with a longing for a better life. Do you have a longing for a better life? Do you ever wish you could start life over again? You know, my friend, there's good news for you because the same Jesus that helped Zacchaeus is here and ready to help you. Yes, you can sort of start a new life, if you will. But it's only through Jesus that that will happen. So here's what happened. We have the story here when Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Verse 2, Behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because he was little of stature. There were so many people congregated around Jesus. That there's little Zacchaeus. He couldn't, he couldn't see Jesus. You can imagine him jumping up and down. Trying to see. And he couldn't, he couldn't see. And of course. No one liked the guy. And so they weren't exactly going to part the crowd. And let him through. And so. What did he do? What happened? Verse 4. And he ran before. And climbed up into a sycamore tree. To see him. For he was to pass that way. Now the sycamore tree grows to about 60 feet uh, in, in height. And it has dense branches. Some heavy dense branches. 
All right, back to verse 5. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down. For today I must abide at thy house. Wow, 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 wow. What's this? What's this? The, the, the chief of the publicans gets a visit from the son of God. Ho, 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 ho. Now Zacchaeus was up in a tree holding onto a branch, looking down at Jesus who was looking up at him. We don't know all went on in the heart and mind of Zacchaeus. We don't know how Zacchaeus was longing to be made right with God and wanting with all his heart what Jesus had to offer. And Jesus in love said, hurry up, come on down. I need to stay at your house today. What an invitation. So back in verse 6, and he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. Somehow, somewhere, between that branch and the ground, Zacchaeus got saved. He repented of his sin. He trusted in Jesus as Savior and Lord. He got saved. You say, how do we know? Well, let's read on in verse 7. And when they saw it, they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. Verse 8, And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I've taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. You know, back in verse 2, it said Zacchaeus was rich. I kind of think that after he restored what didn't belong to him, in verse 8, he wasn't rich anymore. But he didn't care because he had something better. He found the pearl of great price. Verse 9, And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. That's how we know he got saved. And verse 10, the Lord Jesus finishes by saying, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's our job, folks. Just like Jesus. Jesus says to us, As the Father hath sent me, so send I you. We have been commissioned to pick up where Jesus left off and to take the gospel the saving, wonderful, life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ into all the world. Every Christian needs to be involved, needs to be helping, needs to be praying for the salvation of lost people. What a wonderful job we've been given. And God is going to reward us richly, far more than what our work deserves, if we're living for Him and serving Him. Oh, the Great Commission. Praise the Lord. And so... Desperate to see Jesus, Zacchaeus climbs a tree, not very dignified for the chief of the publicans, not a very dignified position to be found in. Zacchaeus actually becomes a contrast with another rich man known as the rich young ruler over in Luke chapter 18. Both Zacchaeus and the rich young ruler were wealthy men, but one of them felt self-righteous and would not give up his possessions. Whereas the other found new life in Jesus Christ, and was more than willing 
to give half his possessions just to feed the poor. Whatever became of Zacchaeus? Whatever happened to this little guy that got gloriously saved and did this marvelous work here? Whatever became of him? Well, we don't know for sure. The Bible is silent. But I did find something. There's a collection of writings that are dated from about 375 to 380 AD. So this is over 300 years later. Almost 350 years later. This group, this collection of writings called the Apostolic. And these writings, in these writings, Zacchaeus is mentioned. And Zacchaeus is identified as Zacchaeus the publican. So we know we're talking the same man. <clears throat> the writings, the apostolic, goes on to say that Zacchaeus later became a pastor in the church in Caesarea. That's pretty exciting. Here's a man that, that wanted to follow Jesus. He gave it all up, all of his position and his wealth. Fully follow Jesus. And I'll tell you something. If so be. If that's true. Zacchaeus is wealthy. 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 In heaven today. Oh yes he is. Listen. Don't you feel sorry. For pastors. That have to live on little incomes. Don't you feel sorry. For these men of God. That labor year after year. Their whole lives in the service of God. And have little on earth to show. When they get to heaven, they will be richly, overly rewarded and paid. And Zacchaeus is a wealthy, wealthy man in heaven. If so be that he followed the Lord like this. You know, Matthew, the publican, also gave up a wealthy, a good paying job. In order to follow Jesus. And Matthew. Is also wealthy wealthy in heaven. What might you be willing to turn your back on. In order to receive new life. Is there anything. Coming in between you. And God. Is there anything acting like a shield. Or a wall. Preventing you. From making contact with the living God. You know who Jesus is. God in the flesh. He came to this earth to die for our sins. On the cross of Calvary, he died. He said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. He died. They buried him. Three days later, he came back from the grave, physically, bodily. He walked around. He spoke. People met him. He had meals with people. He could come and go. He could appear and vanish. This same Jesus may be knocking on your heart's door today. If you're not saved, my friend, would you turn to him in faith today and say, Lord Jesus, I am the sinner you died for. I, it's like me. I am the Zacchaeus. And I, I'm such a fool. I've gone for the world's ways. When I should be following you, Lord Jesus. 
Would you pray to Jesus today and ask Him to forgive all of your sin and come into your heart and be your Lord and your Savior? Now perhaps you've already done that. Perhaps you've already done that. Perhaps, as a Christian, you've gotten your eyes off God. Every church has backsliders. Maybe you're one of the backsliders. Maybe you're one that used to be close with the Lord, but you've kind of drifted away, haven't you? You don't read your Bible anymore. You don't pray like you used to. You don't serve. You don't give. You don't let your light shine. It's like you got no light. And instead of being close to Him, you're way off here. And it's cold. And it's dark. And it's sure not the same. Listen, today, would you leave behind whatever's holding you down and would you come back in to your first love? Would you come back to Jesus today? This name Zacchaeus means pure. Does that describe your life, my friend? Is your life pure before God today? Would you bow your head? Would you close your eyes? Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you so very much for the life of Zacchaeus and how his life speaks to my heart today. I pray, Father, for those that have never received Jesus Christ as personal Savior, that they would do so today. I pray for those who are born again, who are saved, but not living properly for you. Father God, Please, draw them back. Savior, like a shepherd, go after the lost sheep, the wandering sheep. Bring them back to yourself. Glorify yourself today, Lord. In Jesus' name, we humbly ask. Amen. Ah, the life of Zacchaeus. Wow. Boy, I sure really hope with all my heart that he went through with the ministry. I'll find out one day in heaven. You know, it's our opportunity now to worship and glorify God through our giving. I want to thank you, folks, for being faithful, for being tithers and supporters of missionaries. God bless you. This is so important a work. Listen, would you give as unto the Lord this morning? I want to give you that challenge. Would you give your gifts as unto the Lord? Would you do that today? Would you be like Zacchaeus? And would you give to God today? Would you do that and go to the donation page? Hear the word of the Lord, my friend. Hear the word of the Lord in Psalm 66. Make a joyful noise unto God, all ye lands. Sing forth the honor of his name. Make his praise glorious. And verse number four. All the earth shall worship thee and shall sing unto thee. They shall sing to thy name, Selah. And verse number 13, I will go into the house, into thy house, with burnt offerings. I will pay thee my vows. Let's go to the donation page now. Let's be like Zacchaeus and honor God with our tithes and our faith promise for missions. Would you do that now? God bless you as you do.